Thanks for being here, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things because I find you very interesting. You work at a speed that's amazing. Thank you. You just <laughs> you move very quickly. You're up early. You do a million things at once. And we were just talking a minute ago, the team, about how growing up people always told me, you got to slow down. Yep. You got to take your time. You're going to burn out. You're going to wear out. Yep. And I just never agreed with that. I'm the same way. Uh, everybody now even tells me like, well, how are you just doing a bunch? Like, why don't you take a minute and like breathe? And I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't know how to do that. Why don't, yeah. Why do I want to do that? I talk fast. I move fast. I'm always like doing 15 things. And, yeah. Uh, if I'm not doing that, I'm not happy. And I think that was like a big realization for me is like, I tried doing that and I tried slowing down and, you know, taking more time off or doing whatever. And like, I realized that was when I was most unhappy yeah. And so I was like, why am I going to make myself unhappy when I'd rather be doing something else? When I don't have to. Exactly. Sure. And, um, yeah. So ever since I like kind of took to that, it just kept multiplying and spinning and building bigger. Yeah. That's great. So I want to talk about real estate. I want to talk about, you know, the real estate industry, investing and, and all of those things. Um, but I'm very curious about kind of where that all came from. What was the beginning of that? How did you yep. get into mortgage lending and, and where does that all come from? Cool. So, uh, yeah, I got started when I was a toddler. Uh, I had to get my first loan from my dad to buy my Legos. I love it. Uh, so that was my first investment property and I had my little Lego figures in there. <laughs> um, and then it just kind of took off from there, you know, kept getting more loans from dad and kept building a bigger, you know, real estate portfolio. Um, but reality, you know, real, real estate, I, uh, I actually started in high school. Um, so I, you know, growing up, I had always like had an interest in real estate. Um, I had always, you know, asked people what they did and everybody that I saw that was super successful, you know, quote unquote, um, they were all some way related to real estate or they had yeah. taken their primary business and then put something into real estate to kind of help fuel that or, get passive income. And, um, one thing that I know about myself that I'm really good at is I see somebody that has something or has done something that I want to emulate or have or do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm never shy to ask questions and just kind of sit there and be a student of that person. Right. And so over time meeting different people, asking those questions, I knew that that was the direction that I wanted to, to go into. Um, mm. so first job was, I was just somebody's assistant. I literally like would print flyers, really run around, hand them out. Um, and then after like three or four months of doing that, I was like, Hey, I'd like to learn the business, not just like burn gas and drive around right. the city and drop off flyers to people. Um, was that in a real estate company? Yeah. So it was at a okay. real estate brokerage. Uh, it was in high school. I'd just gotten my driver's license, just started like, you know, getting that freedom to work and kind mm -hmm. of exploring what that looked like. And, um, you know, had an opportunity with an agent and then it, you know, just kind of kept growing of, I want to do more. And, uh, eventually that didn't work out. You know, mm -hmm. she wasn't the right person, wasn't the right producer. Um, and kind of going back to like my speed and always wanting to go and grow, it just wasn't happening. So, um, left her, <clears throat> went to work for another agent and really kind of blew up there. She was a top producer. Wow kind of took me under her wing and then started, you know, showing me the back end of the business, how to grow, how to, you know, build systems, structure, all right. of those things. And where was, the, was this in California? Yeah, it was in California. Okay. It was in San Diego. Um, okay. <clears throat> still in great contact with her, you know, great relationship that we've grown over the past, I don't know, 12 to 14 years. Wow. Um, so we talk almost one, you know, at least a couple times a week and it just, you know, it, I'm super grateful and like I had 
great opportunities that then I worked my butt off for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's one thing that a lot of people miss or relegate or they don't put enough emphasis on is like when somebody does give you that opportunity, grab it as quickly as you can and work as hard as you can because you never know what that's going to be like. Right. This person saw my work ethic from another agent that I was working with and said, hey, I'd like to offer you a bigger opportunity. At the time, I was like, I don't know what to do, but it was growth and it was new and it was development. So I just grabbed on and I remember I was working till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night to just get stuff done and keep up. Right. And, um, you know, over time that's paid off because it kind of instilled that work ethic and helped me develop into the person that I am today. Hmm. I, I love that. I think that it is overlooked about there's 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 plenty of opportunity out there. Right. There's plenty of people offering opportunity. Correct. And many people they they get it. They get in the right door, but they don't work it to the fullest. Right. And it sounds like you what you did really well is you you got in there and you did it as hard as you possibly could. Correct. I love and, that. And I think too is like I saw a lot of like my peers or whatever is like they would get a great opportunity and then they would show up and you know they would go halfway. It squander it. Correct. Yeah. So it's like they would mm-hmm. show up and they're like, oh, it's five o'clock. I got to take off. Right. I, I have this appointment or I have this date or I have this whatever. Yeah. And for me, that was never an option. It's like I'm staying till the work's done and I'm going to set myself up for the next day to be ahead of the curve yeah. to get ahead. Um, that's actually where my whole getting up early started coming from is I was like, well, if I get in at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. everybody's already expecting me to do X, Y, and Z at nine o'clock. If I get there at seven 30, I'll have an hour and a half to get all of my stuff done so that when everybody shows up, it's already ready for them. And now I'm, you know, it's already done. Correct. I'm not reacting to them. I've already sent out all of the emails to people that I need stuff to, or from, excuse me. Um, I've already set my day up. I've already done those like little knickknack things that I need to take care of for myself. Uh, So I I talk about this all the time about getting up early. I just, I find it so important. So, so you started doing that when you realized that you could get your stuff done before you were needed by other people. Yeah. Has that been an unwavering, unwavering, unwavering? So have you changed the time that you wake up or how does it, okay. (laughs) So, uh, like I'm very OCD about like success and then growing off of that. So like once I saw seven 30 was a great start time, I was like, okay, what could I get done if I started a little bit sooner? Could I keep pushing it? And so I started pushing it back little by little by little. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm usually up and about by four. So like I'll set my alarm for 4.15, I get nine minutes on the snooze and then I roll out of bed. That's great. Um, and it's worked for me because especially going between two time zones, so my business is Dallas and San Diego, mm-hmm. I never wanted to be behind the curve in Dallas because I'm in San Diego. Right. And so I've always operated on like whatever my farthest earliest time zone is. I'll always get up at that time. Correct. And so I I make sure that I'm ahead of the day because I had, you know, people that would be calling me at 830 Dallas time. That's 630 San Diego. Mm -hmm. So if I'm still in the gym or I'm still doing whatever my morning routine is because it's 630 in San Diego, I'm already two hours behind my customers. Right. Okay. that to me was like a game changer for, you know, efficiency and success because you're not having all these people that are bombarding you, you know, between four and six o'clock, that's my time. There's no expectation of an email back. There's no like, you know, urgent things that Mm -hmm. somebody needs me to jump on. 
as soon as people start their normal work day, then I become on everybody else's time with text messages 100%. and emails and things like that. This, that's exactly what I said last week is <laughs> if you wake up 30 minutes before you're needed, correct. that day doesn't belong to you. Correct. You don't own it. It nope. belongs to your customers, it belongs to correct. your boss or whoever it may yep. be. And I'm a caffeine junkie, so it's like okay. I get up, I have my pre-workout, and yeah. that like spikes my day and starts me off. If I don't have it, I'm like a zombie. I feel like crap. I'm right. Behind, I feel like I'm behind even if I'm like, you know, well ahead of the day. If you're crushing it. Yeah. So you're up for, and then, then what? Then you're in the gym. Because so, I like talking about this because this is the stuff that everybody actually wants to know. Right. Like we'll get into a lot of real estate stuff, yeah, which course. is super helpful. But this, these are the things that people, this is the they difference. like this stuff. Yeah. To be honest, there's a it's lot the of difference. great lenders. There's a lot of great realtors. Like the thing that separates, and I don't consider myself like super successful. I'm always learning something new. There's people that are 10 times better than me. Sure. Um, is like, you're just these fractions of a difference, right? It's like, I don't have some, I tell clients that I meet with, it's like, I don't have some silver bullet that's going to change your business or change your financial picture or how mm -hmm. I work with you. It's like, I do all these little things, right? And all of those little onesie, twosie things add up to 10 or 20% better. Right. And that's what changes the game. That's what makes yeah. the difference and separates me from my competition or helps me help an agent se separate themselves with their client. Love it. That's great. So, um, gosh, that's, that's, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm obsessed with the whole waking up early thing right now. Cause it's, it's hard for people at first. Right. Your to first do 21 it. days suck. Sure. That's like the habit forming or whatever it was. I just committed to it and I was like, yeah, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, actually the thing that really tipped it over was I had two friends that were also lenders. We were in the same coaching group and we knew that we needed to get up earlier and all of us wanted to sleep in. We didn't want to get up. Right. And so we had a bet that you had to take a selfie, uh, at the gym before 5am <laughs> and every day that was missed, it was a hundred dollars fee. So oh, we had man. like a little Venmo pot and we would Venmo each other a hundred bucks if we missed. Yeah. And so after like two days of missing, I got annoyed with, you know, losing money. Right. You're like, I got to, yeah, I got to do this consistently. Yeah, exactly. I was there every day. Wow. And so then after that, it just became a habit. It was like my bedtime adjusted, my expectations adjusted, mm -hmm. like everything shifted because I feel like people don't, um, they underestimate like once you get that little bit of success with it, it just becomes like who you want to be. Like I saw that I was ahead of people. I wasn't waking up stressed out because I had four voicemails already. It's like you can change your course of your day. You're changing the course of your day. That changes the course of your next couple of days. That's a week, a month, a year. Mm -hmm. And you can really compound all of what you're doing every single day into long-term success. Gosh, man, that's so good. <laughs> so, all right, so you're up at four and then yep. you go to the gym every day. Every day. Every day. Uh, even if I don't, let's say, like I might take Sunday off every once in a while, okay. but I do something active. Okay. Um, and I'm really particular about morning gym session. Okay. So, and the reason for me with that is like, it gets my blood going. It lets me think that's like kind of the only time where people aren't texting or calling or I'm in a meeting, so it's like my time to just, you know, jam out. To it's music. you. Yeah. And I, I used to do podcasts at the gym because I wanted to be more efficient. And then I would realize like my mood wasn't as upbeat after because I was trying mm -hmm. to analyze everything I was hearing. Yeah. And so I've kind of switched that. I, I like listen to really fast music and just get my day going. Yeah. And um, if I don't do that or gyms have been closed, I'll go for a run or I'll do something to get my blood going because... Right. 
that to me is like the most important part of my day is getting ahead of that and getting that, you know, waking my body up. Mm -hmm. What is your diet like? Um, it's 90, 10. Okay. So I'm always (laughs) curious about everybody. I'm diet freak. So I'm curious always about that. So, uh, I try to set myself up for success or I don't try to, I don't like to use try. Um, and I know myself if I don't have something that's easy and readily available, I will defer to junk. The fast. Yeah, exactly. So I'll defer to Postmates. I'll see what can get there the quickest. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, oh, like I don't really need Jack in the Box, but I'll get a chicken sandwich and I'll be healthy. (laughs) And then I'll throw in fries and a milkshake. And so it ends up just being like terrible. Yeah. Um, So I have meals whatever city I'm in. So I have a meal prep company in San Diego. I have a meal prep company in Dallas and I pick up 10 meals a week. Yeah. And so that gives me about five free meals. Okay. And so I don't stress about like what I eat and those other five meals, I usually eat pretty healthy. Yeah. And then I just tag those 10 meals, eat them. And it's been like game changing for me. Really? Yeah. Because otherwise it's like you're, you know, even when I tried to meal prep, it's like I would spend Sunday, I would spend four hours grocery shopping, cooking food, cutting it up, doing all that. It doesn't really taste great. By the time Friday rolls around, I'm over it. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't just, it wasn't effective. So I was like, at the end of the day, I can pay somebody that this is their expertise. They make great food. They make it, you know, all healthy and nutritious and all that. And I don't have to do it. And I don't have to do it. And it's like two bucks more than me cooking the food and spending four hours a week plus grocery shopping and all the other stuff. And who's the company that you use in Dallas? Uh, Punch Drunk Chef. Punch Drunk and Chef. And that's his Instagram. So you All can right. Go to Shout it. out to Punch Drunk Chef. And it is incredible. He switches the menu up every week. The food's great. He's a cool dude. Venmo, you pick it up on Sunday. It comes in a brown box. It's like easy, super. That's great. I need to look at that because I, I do the whole meal prep thing. And I, I usually only do about two to three days. Okay. I don't like to eat something on Correct. Friday that I made on Monday. Yep, yep. Uh, it but it just takes forever. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, what could I be doing? Correct. With this four hours on a Sunday. And that's so uh, one of my coaches has been like hammering in my head of like, don't ask what, ask who. So it's like, Mm. I don't need to prep my own meal. Who can do that for me so that I can be more efficient in another way? Sure. And once I changed that, it was like, it's game changer. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like those are like that 10% that helps you get to your, you know, 80 or 90% efficiency to the big goal. Correct. You know what I like about you is you have a, you have, we're very similar in the sense that we like systems. Correct. Like you have a system for everything. You're not like, I think that you recognize that you're not good enough to just wing it, (laughs) to just wake up every day and go, all right, let's see what comes my way. You have a system for everything. Yeah. I, uh, I wish I was that special, but I'm not, (laughs) but I, I think it's so good though. I mean, not many people are able to, uh, have, consistent systems that they stick to. Right. It's always a burden to most people. It's can, all, can I share what changed my opinion? Of on course. That? Is, um, so I was told that uh, you can either work really hard and have a great life or you can work really, or shoot, let me refer. I forgot the exact <laughs> thing, but it was like life is going to be hard. You can choose which way you want it to be hard. Mm. You can choose to work hard and have a great life or you can choose to be lazy and have a hard life. That was mm. the actual quote. And so when somebody said that to me, I was like, holy crap, that is like so true because yeah, like some days I don't want to get up at four, four o'clock. I sleep in and I get lazy or whatever you want to call it. But then when I realize what that leads me down the path to, I'm like, my life's going to be hard because I'm not going to achieve this. I'm not going to have my job. I'm not going to be doing things at the level I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
and that's going to be a whole nother set of problems. Sure. So I feel like once you've internalized that, that like you have two paths, you can either work hard and have an easy life or you can, you know, choose to just be lazy and have a hard life. Right. Were you always that way? Like, were you ever, were you ever a lazy person that um, didn't want to? I don't think so. And I would attribute that to my parents. So both of my parents worked full-time jobs and had side hustles. Really? And okay. so it took me a while to figure out like where, cause people would always be like, well, how do you like, where'd you get your drive? Where'd you get like this, you know, energy about you? And I was like, yeah. I don't really know. And then like they, somebody started like asking deeper questions and then they're like, yeah. oh, they got to the source of it. It was like literally every day, like my dad would go, he worked graveyards, he would go sleep for like a couple hours and then he would get up and work on his business. Hmm. And then when he would go into work, my mom would take me, you know, she had a normal nine to five and then she would take me to her side hustle, which was always some like Mary Kay, Avon, Pampered Chef. Right. She was always hustling something. Hustling something. Exactly. I love that. That's so, it's uh. I think that so much of what we're talking about is a it's it is a product of your environment growing right. up. I think it can obviously be learned, a hundred percent, but it helps tremendously to see that. Correct. I think you have to make that decision. So it was like I didn't have a choice. I went with my mom and would sell stuff. Sure. You know? So that's like, what you did. Exactly. It was like oh, it's like it's Tuesday night. We're going to whatever event this was, and <laughs> like okay, cool. We're hustling like these tonight. Yeah. And uh, and so like I just got in that habit and that like I guess cadence would be a decent word of mm-hmm. like I'm just we're going from this project to this project. When we're here, this is our focus, and I think it's helped me because like you were saying, I'm in different facets, all you know, mainly centered around real estate, but. You know, I have investments, loans, you know, property management, flips. Like we have all these different things going and I have to be able to show up and say, okay, right now I'm a lender. So when I'm talking to Hmm. a first time home buyer that has saved for five years to have a down payment, this is how I need to behave. This is the person that I need to be for them. Hmm. And then when I leave that meeting and I'm running over to a job site and I'm throwing on a polo and boots... I need to be a different person when I'm talking to the contractors that are behind two weeks on the project and then switching back into the lender role while I'm on the phone in the car on my way to my next appointment. So I really learned that from my mom, like, you know, without a doubt of like, she could just go in between like whatever she was selling. Yeah. Very dynamic. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think what I also learned, uh, like where I would attribute a lot of my habits is like from her and doing that of like, I am not just a one person thing. Like I don't just do one thing and that's who I am. Mm. I do these various things that are all somehow linked and I do each of them that I decide to choose or, you know, decide to focus on. I do them well. And if I can't do it, then I'm not going to touch it. You're either going to go all in or not do it at all. Correct. And I got called out by like somebody and I like, I laugh at it now. They're like, well, if you're not succeeding, you just take your ball and you go find somewhere else that you can do better at. I'm like, yeah, that's an act. Like at the time I was pissed. I'm like, I don't just take my stuff and leave. But when I think about it, it's like, if I can't make an impact and I can't do something really well, hmm. then I don't want to be in that space Yeah, because I'm not going to be competitive. I'm going to spend my time trying to do that ineffectively where I could put more of my efforts where I'm naturally good at and where I can help more people have a bigger impact and do something better. Um, so why force myself to, you know, do that to keep doing it? Correct. I'm not going to succeed at it. Yeah. Or, and and, then I, sorry, I take that back. Cause like, I do believe that anybody can do anything right. Besides, 
you know, besides physical limitations and things sure. like that. But like, I believe that you can succeed in whatever you choose to. Uh, the question that I go back to is what are you willing to sacrifice to succeed in that though? Yeah. And so for me, like, yes, I could figure out how to draw on CAD. Mm-hmm. Is it the best use of my time? Probably not. It's not something I'm passionate about. There's people that are 10 times more creative than me that yeah. do it in half the time. So I would rather work with them where they're the true professionals and I bring something that I'm a true professional to that mm-hmm. relationship with. That's great. Now, I've seen you really calculate things that you want to add in to your life. So like yeah. flying being uh-huh. your new thing, you've really calculated that. It's not you just going out and going, hey, I want to learn how to fly. Correct. You've actually figured out, well, if I can be in this location at this time, that means I can do Correct. X number of deals more than I'm doing right now. 100%. It's a, it's, it's a business tool that you've actually calculated out. Correct. I really like that because it's not just a, sometimes people, and this happens with me, people will look at what I'm doing from the outside and go, oh, well, you're just kind of scattered Correct. over the place. It's like, no, 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 it's, it's all connected. Correct. It's, it's for strategic. a reason. It's strategic for a purpose. Correct. And so um, like where I would bring that back to like a business perspective is like, uh, I started doing lending and I moved into investing, right? I sure. always wanted to be in investing, but it, lending was born out of, I need to learn where the money comes from to buy properties. Yeah. So I backpedaled to lending, mm-hmm. did, you know, focus, learned, put everything into learning and being great there. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to start doing real estate. Right. So then I started the investing side, but at the end of the day, it was all calculated of like, okay, I'm doing investing now. Well, now I have enough properties where I'm paying somebody X amount of money in property management, could I hire somebody and train them up to do a better job at a cheaper cost? So now I am in property management. Mm-hmm. And then you're constantly growing and it's like people are like, well, you're doing all these different things. Like you said, they're, you look scattered. Yeah. And what they don't see is on the back end is like you're actually making your own synergy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to go to somebody now to get comps for property management. I can do it myself because I've hired somebody that's really good at doing it. Yeah. And now they're covering that cost is being covered by this other business that I would have had to pay anyways. So now I've built another business unit that then links into all sure. the other companies. It's all inside of itself. Correct. I love that. And I think a lot of people don't see that foresight out. It's like, well, it's costing you X amount today. And I'm like, well, what is it costing me in a year, two years, three years, four years in opportunity mm-hmm. costs? Yeah. Like in five years when I have X amount of properties, wouldn't it be better to have my own people in-house? Absolutely. But what people will do is they'll wait until they get five years out and then they're like, oh shoot, I have a thousand properties I need to bring this in house. And now they have all those steps of, I need to move a thousand properties instead of me adding two every couple months. Yeah. So I That's think great. the foresight is needs to be there. You know, it's all looking at that. Yeah. It's a longer vision. Correct. If I start this now, I'll have it for, for when this portfolio grows. Correct. That's good. But I am very strategic to back to your original point of like, even right. what I do, where I go, like, Dallas is a strategic spot for me because mm-hmm. it's in the middle of the country. The price point here is where I want to be for loans and investments. So it's like if you're just kind of willy nillying through life, then you're going to get those results. Yeah. If you're saying like, this is where I know I want to be, you might have a jagged road to get there, but you're still going to a destination. Yeah. Yep. And you might be off by a little bit, but that's a lot better than just having no clue. Yeah. Than just guessing. Correct. You that's still good. have a direction. Yeah. So I want to talk real quick about, um, lending and Perfect. the mortgage world. So, uh, you're great at what you do. Thank you. I've seen you work firsthand. <laughs> um, 
What are some of the things that you're seeing right now specifically, whether it's just home buyers in general, first time home buyers? Um, what are like what are things that people are either doing well or making mistakes? Decisions maybe that you're seeing that people shouldn't be making or should be making. Maybe some opportunities that are being missed. Like what's kind of a summary? That's a lot. Where do you want That's to a lot. Let's let's start with uh, with what people. Um, what they should be thinking about right now if they're buying homes. So uh, what I would say for people that are looking to buy now, considerations is they should look at where they plan to be in five years. Okay. And thinking ahead of, again, where they want their house to be positioned, right? So um, for an example is, let's say it's a first-time home buyer. They're buying their first house. Maybe they only need two bedrooms. However, if they're thinking ahead two years, maybe they're going to be married having their first kid. Hmm. So do you want to think ahead of that now and maybe move a little bit further than where you were originally going to buy, but buy something that's a better product? Hmm. And so, and then it's, um, I'm not lost on the fact that I'm calling a house a product that's, you know, it's, yeah. it's somewhere somebody's raising a family. There's the emotional attachment to it. And at, yet at the same time, if you're making a strategic buy, you can still have all of that. Yep. Like I can buy a house that I love to live in that I'm also buying that needs renovations that I'm going to put and get more equity that's in a great neighborhood that's coming up. Right. So that's something that I think a lot of people get short-sighted on. And I did myself when I first started, I, I graduated college. I didn't want to live in an apartment or excuse me, in a, a townhome. So there was this, I'll never forget it. And it's like the story I tell my clients. Mm. Uh, when I graduated, I could have bought it for maybe 400,000 in San Diego prices. That's, that was very affordable. Okay. Um, and then I said, no, I don't want to have an attached wall because it was a townhome. I was okay. like, I want a house, so I'm going to rent for two years. So I rented, I didn't buy the house or didn't buy the townhome, just, you know, had the same payment, all the other stuff. Right. And then like two years later, I look at what they were selling for and they were selling for 700,000. Wow. So I lost in two years, $300,000 of equity that I could have then sold and bought something and started investing a lot. Earlier. And started right. Yeah. Correct. But wow. in my head, I was like, no, I don't want to be there. That's not, it's not perfect. It's not this. I had all these excuses instead yeah. of saying like, I know this is something I need to do. Let me just take the action and put my foot forward and do it. Mm -hmm. um, the second biggest mistake, I guess, that I would see that people are making right now is their, um, they are stepping over pennies or stepping over dollars to get pennies. And mm -hmm. so I have clients that they're like, well, I don't want to spend another $100 a month or $200 a month more than what I'm paying or more than whatever this number is, right? Right. But what they don't realize is that that extra $100 or that extra $200, they could save in other ways and then start themselves on a path to a better financial future, hmm. right? Okay. And that's um, the thing that I always go back to and like what kind of motivates me on the lending side and what gets me pumped up every day or inspired, whatever, you, you know, that good feeling is that I'm able to help and advise somebody on like, hey, this is how you can change your financial future. You don't have to rent forever. You don't yeah. have to have no assets. Like this is how you can get into something. Right. And so to see somebody when they don't, uh, not necessarily don't take that advice, but they use that as the reason of like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't know where I'm going to get that 50 bucks a month. And then mm -hmm. you look at their bills and I'm like, you're spending $150 on Postmates. 
Right. So like it's priorities and really setting that tone of where they should be looking and, mm-hmm. and where they should be going with it. I, uh, I listened to a podcast a couple of years ago um, and it was with a divorce attorney. Okay. And he was talking about how uh, people trust him. He's talking about relationships. Okay. And he was talking about how, you know, people trust him more than they would their therapist or their best friends or anybody because they have to. Okay. Like they, you know, they, he has to be able to represent them in court. So they have to, yeah, he, they have to tell him everything. Okay. And, and so he's able to look at somebody and go, okay, well you need to be honest with yourself. You're doing this incorrectly or like, I'm actually looking at the facts. Right. It sounds like that's kind of the same thing. Like when people start whining about, well, I can't spend an extra 50 bucks here or there. You're able to point to it and go, well, you're mismanaging Correct. Postmates or whatever. And it's funny because like I, so when I first started, I was like, you know, always shell shocked. And I was like, I was 18 or 19. So I'm like, I'm telling all these people that are 30, what to do with their money. They're probably saying, what does this kid know? Yeah. And now that I've kind of like grown into it, I'm like, now I have no shame. Like I'll be like, well, when I looked at your bank statements, I saw that you spent this, this, and this. Don't you think you could maybe cut back on this and this and that would find that hundred dollars? <laughs> well, when you say it like right. that, are people usually receptive to that, or do uh, they yeah, get yeah. okay? I'm, and I'm like, and I uh, just like my natural way of being is like I like to tell jokes. I like to be like funny and personable. Yeah, so it makes it work. And so I'm like, come on now, like I like Postmates too, but do you really need to spend two hundred dollars when your mortgage payment is you know? 2400 you're spending yeah. almost 10% of your money on Postmates. Give me a break. So just little things like that, that yeah. over time, it's like, you know, you learn where to guide and steer people. And I think that that's something that's come with like striving for excellence is what I would say is like, I learned that technique or to call somebody out because I asked somebody else. Like I wasn't afraid to say like, Hey, you're doing better than me. How do I get to this level? And somebody yeah. where that kind of dynamic changed is, um, somebody said like clients are coming to you for advice. So when you're not giving them straightforward feedback, you're doing a disservice to them because they're trusting you. Hmm. And when you let them roam about on their own or, you know, figure things out when it's your job to guide them, then you're not helping them. Right. That's your fault. Correct. And, and I've, I've coached up a lot of realtors in that, that sense, because Um, for us, you know, my main book of business comes from working with realtors. They have their book of business and then we work together. Right. And so I was hearing a lot of agents like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to tell them what to do. Like I want to let them figure it out. And I'm like, they're coming to you as a realtor, as a broker, as a professional to get advice. And you're so afraid to tell them because you don't want to make a mistake. And so you're like, we'll do whatever, you know, pick whatever home inspector, pick whatever lender, pick whatever this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. And these, you know, clients are maybe buying a house once every couple of years. If, if that maybe sometimes five, 10 years where they're buying, they don't know the industry. They don't know the right people. So they're coming to you as a trusted advisor and you're just saying, yeah, figure it out and then come back to me. Yeah. Like that's such a disservice. It's a disservice. Correct. If, if doctors were like that. Right. It would never you know, they'd be, they'd lose their license. Right. Like if I came to you and said, Hey, like my hand hurts. You're like, Oh, okay. We'll go on WebMD and like Google some stuff and figure it out and let me know what you find. And like, maybe I'll confirm it. Or maybe I'll just say, I don't know. Right. Like that would never, it would never happen. But in our industry, it's like so commonplace because people are afraid to refer somebody or they're, Hmm. you know, afraid of whatever it is that they don't want to, they don't want to lose the deal. If the client gets upset. I think that's it. It's that it's, it's, they don't want to lose the deal yep. by upsetting somebody. Correct. So they're willing to 
malpractice, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they blame that on, the, they're like, oh, well, my broker says I can't refer anybody for anything. I'm like, that is like so far not the case. Like that has been litigated and you're allowed to refer people. Right. And so I just think it's, it's a different perspective. And for me, it's like, I've always come from like, how do I help somebody? How do I educate them? Yeah. Um, and like, even in my, like with the lending side is like, I give people like, here's all the options you qualify for. These are the two that I would recommend you look at. And I would pick this one if it was me doing it. And here's mm -hmm. why. Yeah. And then I give them that, you know, that explanation. I give them all the details and I also give them all the choices. Right. And then that way they can look at it. They know what they're doing. They're making an informed decision, but I'm also helping guide them to what they should be doing because I'm the expert in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one thing that I know has definitely um, changed my business or has gotten me to where I'm at on the lending side is being able to educate somebody on their options. Yeah. Most lenders, you go to them like, oh, here's your rate, here's your payment. And mm -hmm. then when I talk to them, I'm like, okay, well, I can show you how your payment's going to be more with a lower rate. And I can also show you how it's going to be less with a higher rate. Yeah. So if I'm giving you all the options, you can see what's really best for you, not just here's the rate and here's your payment. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to guide you through that and tell you what I would do Correct. if I were you. Correct. And that gives you, yeah. and it's like a different relationship. Like most of my clients are from a referral. Like I don't do online advertising. I don't do like, you know, all of the marketing side of it Yeah. because I'd rather be an advisor to somebody. I'd rather take that extra 20 or 30 minutes because I have less people that I'm working with. Sure but I'm not losing people in fallout because they're going to some other random lender. Yeah. So that's been, I think if I, you know, say what people are doing right or wrong or, you know, there's, there's hundreds of explanations or sure. hundreds of things, but I think it's really focusing bigger picture and where you want to be strategically. And then for, you know, clients of focusing on what am I doing now that's hampering my long-term future, mm -hmm. the postmates, the not buying a house soon enough, those things that yeah. are going to, you know, cripple them in five years, let's say. Yeah. So there's so much debate on, do I own a house? Right. Do I get into rental houses or apartments or do I rent where I live or right. what do I do? Um, what's your take on that? Should, is, is buying a house to live in a good idea? Yes. Or, so talk about that. Yeah. So um, I th there's different facets to look at, right? So uh, I think that buying a house is the most solid way to start your wealth building okay. because you can get in as a first-time homebuyer just like you did. You get in with a you know, lower down payment, a great yep. rate. You get something and then you start building, right? Right. And then once you're in there, now you're getting appreciation. So every year the house is going up. Whatever, you know, people can say what they want about appreciation. Every, every house is going to slowly but surely be worth more over time. Mm -hmm. There's only so much real estate on the earth and there's more people that are coming into it, right? Yeah. Um, at the same time that that's building, you're also paying down your mortgage. So in 30 years, you're going to own this property free and clear. It's going to be worth X amount. And there you go. You have your first easy asset that you buy. Mm -hmm. What most people find after they bought the first one is like, oh, well, I can buy another one in a year. So now they've got a rental and that's how most people will start building their portfolio. Okay. I think that there's been a lot of sensationalization about living in a rental and then buying investment properties. And to me, that's like a whole different subset. Like you're really committing to being a real estate investor at that point. Mm, that's going to be your full-time deal. Correct. And okay. I think that, you know, I, like I follow Grant Cardone. I've read all of his books. I think he's a great salesperson. Um, and I also think that he's pushing people to be renters because he's buying properties that he needs renters for. Mm. So naturally he's selling his own product. And then right. a lot of people have rushed into that. 
Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of investors right now are overpaying for apartments and multifamily because that's what's being pitched as cool. Mm-hmm. And I tell, you know, anybody that asks me that, I'm like, you need to still do your due diligence. Like, don't buy something just to say you're a real estate investor and you're buying apartment complexes because right. that's the cool fad right now. Yeah. Like that will eventually crash and burn if everybody runs goes and does prices. it. Correct. Because you've stayed in the residential Correct. World. Is that where you're going to stay or are you going to move into commercial or what's your plan? I'll probably start expanding to be honest, but it's like right now my plan is, you know, no, do what I know and then slowly grow into these other projects. Yeah. And it's funny because I say like slowly grow into them is like how quickly can I buy a building that I'm not worried about the cash flow? Yeah. So I still have that same cadence and the same speed of doing it. And at the same time I'm calculating the risk. So like Mm -hmm. my future one to two year plan is like I'm buying enough rentals that I'll have the cash flow for those cover a big development project. Got it. So I'm still going for the bigger project, the bigger deal, but I also am leveraging less and taking less of a risk because I don't want to overextend myself and then be stuck with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month in mortgages and I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that people, you know, in general of taking a, you know, taking a conservative but risk-based approach. And so what I mean by that is buy a good property in a good neighborhood and buy something that people are going to want to live in. I'm not a fan of buying, you know, a D-class property because you're going to get all this cash flow and you have no clue how to manage that. Right. So people go into it and they're like, well, I'm just going to buy everything and anything. And, and then they don't really know how, they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, as a general real estate okay. investor, I think it's a great great decision to buy. Um, don't get all hyped up on what everybody's trying to sell you because there's a, usually a reason that somebody's pushing you towards something. That's interesting. I, I hadn't even really thought about that before. Which part? The people pushing you towards things to kind of you know push their own product. Correct. In the real estate world, people that are well-known. Yeah. I mean, of Grant course. Cardone owns however many thousands of apartment units. Sure. So, and then even other people that are doing podcasts, like they're great information, but they all are apartment complex owners. So when they're telling people, oh, it's going to be a renter nation, everybody's going to want to rent. It's like, they're subliminally trying to get you to continue to rent because right. that's the cool. That's fact. their product. Correct. And I mean, the reality mm-hmm. of it is, is like renting works for some people. Like if you're in a city for six months, why would you buy a house? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or if you're going to college somewhere, sometimes that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but the general notion of like, you're going to build wealth by real estate is still tried and true. Mm-hmm. And I think where, you know, people that have made mistakes or that have gotten bit by it, they've all been speculative. Mm-hmm. You know, they're buying properties thinking that they're going to buy it at 500 and next week, sell it at 600. They're yeah. ca- they weren't, they were cash flow upside down. They had bad loans on it. And so they're shocked when it doesn't go perfect and they can't sell their house. Now they're losing their butt mm-hmm. and then they want to blame that on real estate. Yeah, I know a few people like that. Yeah. <laughs> that they have, uh, they kind of write off real estate because they had one bad deal. Correct. And they just sort of, they uh, they generalize the entire industry as as something that's messed up. Right. Because they had one bad deal that, that probably wasn't well thought out in the first place. Yep. And I mean, I've like, I am not immune to that. I've lost a lot of money on a single deal, and it's not fun. And uh, you know. At that time, I had that like, oh my God, am I like, should I keep doing this or what am I, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. And, um, what I, was, talk about that deal. 
So uh, I bought a, it was a single family house. It was in Phoenix. And um, I had partnered with somebody that then backed out coincidentally after we closed. And I had funded everything and everything was signed in my name. Mm. Uh, They had found the property because they were a realtor. And um, so costs went over. uh, The comps that they used for the resale were completely wrong. And then we sat on the market for a lot longer than we should have. And the rehab was kind of shoddy. So it was like all these like factors of like, this is the perfect storm of like a real bad flip. Right. And uh, so finally got it sold, you know, licked my wounds. And I was just like, you know, what do I do? Because it was kind of like a, um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't an ego shock, right? Because yeah. I do real estate. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And yeah. then here I lost like 50,000 bucks on a single house. Yeah. And that's like, you know, to me, when I have to admit that I'm like, oh my God, like there's my identity. Right. Um, but at the end of the day is like you all, like you learn, right? So when I was going to turn my back to it and say like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do loans because I'm really good at it. I, had, I thought back, I'm like, well, I've screwed up on a bunch of loans too. I've mm-hmm. had bad deals, bad service, but I've learned from every single one of them and it's made me a better lender and this is going to make me a better real estate investor. Hmm. And so like I have taken those losses and like really ingrained them. That's for better or for worse is like when I do mess something up or I lose, I like internalize it and just like the hamster wheel goes round. It's just spinning. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, so I, I took that and I was like, you know what, I'm going to learn from it and, and keep building. And I think that that's something that, um, I try to tell everybody that asks me about real estate or investing or, just anything job business success related is like you are going to screw up. Just plan for that know that it's going to happen and you pick yourself up and you keep going. Yeah. And I've seen so many people that they get like smacked down one time and they're like, okay, I'm out. Like this is too much for me. Yeah. It's too much stress. Like I have friends that they'll buy a property and they're rehabbing it and the contractors, you know, screwing this up and their tenant moves in and breaks something. And they're like, this is just too much for me. And I'm like, it's at that point where like, if you just kept pushing, you would have this huge breakthrough because you learned how to manage your contractor. You learned how to screen your tenants better. You learned how yeah. to pick a better property management company. Um, the, like, it's funny cause the first rental property I bought was actually in Texas. Okay. Um, and I just stumbled upon it. It was like the last property that we were looking at on the tour the owner showed up to meet us and when he was there, I was like, Oh yeah, like I like it. you know, I'll, I'll probably put an offer. And then he's like, Oh, well, I've got one across the street if you want to buy that one too. And so I ended up picking up two duplexes for wow. in total. It worked out great. Um, I like ended up kicking out my agent from the negotiations cause she's like, well, I'm not going to write, I'm not going to offer cause I put in a low offer obviously yeah. I'm an investor. Right. And, uh, she's like, I'm not going to write that. And then I'm like, I just need you to write my just offer do it. and send it. Right. And then the guy like got the offer and he countered, which was much more of a reasonable price. And then he calls me out of the blue. He's like, I'm tired of dealing with these realtors. Let's you and I make a deal right now. He's like some old guy. That's great. Old Texan. I'm like, let's do it. I was like, here's where my number is. He's like, well, I need to be here. And I was like, okay, well, how can we get, you know, how can we meet in the middle? He's like, we'll just cut it down the middle if you're okay with that. And I'm like, okay, that's a good enough deal. Yeah. So bought it, thought I was like king of the hill, thought I was so cool. Uh, closed escrow, put a property management company in. And then a month later, they, the property management company had like run every tenant out of the place. Wow. Like they told one of, they were like, it was a C class property. Okay. And, uh, two of the tenants paid in cash mm-hmm. and the owner would show up and just collect rent. Cause he was like a self-managed type, uh, owner. 
And they told them that if they showed up to pay the rent, they were going to call the police. Wow. It was just crazy. I'd like never heard of it. So all of my tenants vacated. I had four vacant units and I'm like, holy crap. This oh, is like punch. what do I do? Yeah. Punch to the gut. Um, and so like, I was like, okay, got to figure it out. And that was like always my mentality is like, you know, lost the money on those properties. Okay. Got to figure it out. How do I make it back? How do I move on? Same thing with that is like, all the tenants are out. Okay, what do I need to do? I need to find a new property management. I need to do a better job of interviewing them. But it's like all these things come up and I feel like people just give up. They're just like, yeah, I don't really care. I'm not going to like put the time into it. Hmm. And that's separate. It's, it's sad for me to see because like I see a lot of successful people that I'm like, if you just put a little bit more effort into it, yeah. you could crush it. And they just back off because it's like not the new trend anymore. It's not cool or they can't post on Instagram about like how successful they are at it. Right. And I'm like, you've been doing it for like two months. Chill out. Yeah. Like, just keep with the course and keep building on it. Yeah. Hmm. So that was my first deal. Wow. Crazy. So, so what happened? Did you find tenants for that? Oh, that place? was like home run. I found tenants. Uh, they were originally renting at 800, put new tenants in at 1200. Wow. So I bumped rent by 400 bucks a unit times four. Started, I cash flowed like crazy on it. Um, six months after that, I refinanced, took all my money back out of it. Wow. And then that's what started like my buying spree of like flips and other investments was okay. that single property that, you know, went from being like, holy crap, I'm screwed. I have a mortgage payment with zero tenants Yeah. to like home run cash cow, get my money out. And it's let's go really, buy more. Yeah. It's really what, like, to be honest, it's like, it's what kickstarted me buying more properties. Hmm. Cause I had that money that I had saved up for eight years to put as a down payment. Now I had that back and I still had my rental properties. Right. Bought another one, did the same thing and kept spending them. Um, I actually sold the property and I made, uh, and grossed about 150 just from owning it for two years. Wow. So same thing. That's why I say like what, what I love about real estate and why I encourage people to get into it is like you're able to compound your money. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of compounding. It's like goes back to my lifestyle. Like I wake up early because that extra 30 minutes gives me an extra, you know, hour in the day. So if I can take 30 minutes to get an hour, I'm going to do it every single time. Yep. Same thing with real estate is like, I'll take my 20, you know, 20% down and I'll buy something that the bank's giving me 80%. Then I'll watch it appreciate. I'll take my money back out. Now I still have that asset and I'll go buy something else. Yeah. And eventually over time, it's like, it just compounds over and over and over and over and over. Sure. I love that. It it multiplies. Um, And what does your portfolio look like right now? What so do you do? Because right you're, you're like all over the place. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, you travel around and you have more deals going than, than anybody I know. So yes. what are you doing now? Uh, so right now I'm mainly buying uh, fix, flip, and hold. So okay. The, like the investor term is Burr. You buy it, renovate it, rent it, refinance it, repeat. Got it. Um, and so you're not flipping and selling these things? No. Okay. Uh, I have one right now that I will probably throw on the market because it's got a pool and I don't really want to deal with that maintenance and liability and insurance and all that. Sure. Um, And it goes back to like, I've seen too many people, you know, try to flip and then they get stuck with something and then it just kind of decimates them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I always want to have multiple exit strategies of whatever I'm buying. So if I fix it up and I renovate it and somebody gives me a stupid price on it, I will sell the property in a heartbeat. Yeah. If not, I run my numbers off of a low rental rate and I put it on the market, put a tenant in there, get my money out and I go buy something else. Yeah. And, um, I think that, you know, I was told by somebody that's super successful, probably like wealthiest person that I know is like, he's like, I never build anything with the intention to sell it. 
everything that I build, I want to hold on to forever. Yeah. And he's like, so I spend a little bit of extra money in building it. I spend a little bit extra to make it last. And it's been successful over time. And he's like, I just keep doing it. Yeah. And he's stacked the same thing. He, you know, built something, takes the money out, goes and builds something yeah. else. Now he's got cash flow and assets. So real estate really lets you compound on itself. And it's something that you don't have to be smart. Like you just have to do the numbers. It has to, you know, you follow a, a formula. It's a formula. Yeah. And there's 50,000 of them out there. Just pick one and follow it. Do you want to do rentals in the hood? Well, great. You know, pull out the formula book for rentals in the yeah. hood. Yeah. Do you want to do a class property? Then pull out that. And they're different dynamics. They're different management, different down pay. Like all of that yeah. is, is interchangeable with a formula. That's great. So I, I love giving people practical advice on these. So if, if somebody wants to start this now. Yep. What is step one that they go and do? What do they need to have? What do they need to do? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So how do you get there? So uh, I think I'm, I'm a fan of house hacking, especially for younger people. Okay. Um, I know we're both kind of same age group, younger and and a lot of our, our friends and family are just kind of starting in that path. Right. Right. And so I say, find something that you can buy and put a roommate in if it's a single family house. Okay. So buy a three bedroom, you live in the master, you rent out the other two. Okay. Cause you don't have a family. You don't have kids. If you have a, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Yeah. Live with them in there and you have two other people to have fun with. Right. Yeah. You guys can go out on the weekends, all that. Um, that's how I started. That's what I did. I thought it was a great idea because the other thing is they don't know what your mortgage is. So let's right. say that your room rentals are a thousand bucks a month and your mortgage is 2000. Well, now you're living for free. Mm-hmm. So you're living for free. Somebody else is paying off your mortgage and you're getting depreciation and all the other yeah. benefits of owning real it's, estate. It's the, it's perfect. Yeah. So that's my like 110% best recommendation right okay. out of the gate. And most people can qualify for down payment assistance. So okay. it's like you can walk into something. If you don't have any money, there's a, there's a way to get the money to get you started. You know, the loans aren't as great. They're a lot more restrictive. You eventually, you know, typically have to pay the money back. You pay interest on it. So they're not as hot and flashy as everybody thinks. However, if that's the only way you can get into a property, then take it and run and get into the property. Interesting. And start your okay. start your course there, right? So I get into a property. I have it. I get some roommates. I'm living there. Yep. Then say a year from now, what do I do? The year from now, you go buy your next house. Okay. So do you, I refinance the first one or? It depends on your strategy. So, right. um, so like I have friends that they don't want to buy anything that that needs work. They want to okay. buy a fixed flipped house. Right. And that's their strategy. So I'm like, okay, cool. But they have the ability to make the money to keep for the down pay or to keep putting down payments. Gotcha. Okay. So that's their strategy. That's what they want to do. My strategy and what I recommend is like you buy something that needs a little bit of TLC. So that way you can get some money out of it once mm-hmm. you fix it up. Right. You live in there for a year, that becomes your primary residence, and then you move out and you go on to your next primary residence. Okay. So you can do that every twelve months. And that's what most people don't think is they think that once they've bought as a first time home buyer that they can't take advantage of those programs anymore and that they have to have 20% down or 25% or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is, is every 12 months you can buy as a first or as a uh, owner occupied property and put down lower than 20%. Yeah, you can get in with 5% down. Really? Sometimes three. Every 12 months. Yeah. Every okay. 12 months. So now there's strategy and tactic to that, right? So what you don't want to do is you don't want to buy a house next door to your current house and say you're going to live in that because that doesn't make sense. The underwriter is going to call you out on that. Right. But let's say that you're buying um, like in Texas, right? Or in Dallas, you're buying in Kessler Park. And then after that, you're going to buy in, you know, Argyle. And then after that, you're going to buy in 
flower mound. So you're able to pick up rental properties and it makes sense because you're moving to different neighborhoods. Right. But you're actually moving and living there and it's kind of cool. You can explore the city and like see which different places you actually like and yeah. love. Um, and at the same time, you're picking up real estate. Sure. So it's kind of like a monopoly board. You're picking up and then eventually every day of the month, you're collecting rent from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that a lot because I, you know, what I like about you is that you're not just a lender. Right. You are a lender, but you're an investor. Correct. And so you think like an investor. And you, you, you have people that are especially looking to get into either a home or that they're going to live in or a place that they're trying to have as an investment property. Correct. You're helping them and walking them through. Getting okay. There. Yeah. How do you get there? How do you work this system that's in place to, to make it work for you? Correct. And that's what's cool too is like if you think about it, I do numbers all day. That gets pretty boring and yeah. pretty like ins- insufferable, whatever you want. Like it, you can only spice it's it a lot. so much. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and so the fun part and where I think I like really – uh, enjoy spending my time is in coaching and educating people on that is like you don't have to buy one house and then save up 20% like let me show you how you can build a portfolio yeah um, and especially in San Diego because there's a lot of military um, home buyers there so they have a VA loan and so they can keep utilizing that VA to build their wealth hmm. and nobody really teaches them you know these are people that come from a you know rural town they're you know no financial education and they just want to buy a house. I'm like, okay, great. Let's sh- let's show you how to buy that house for that security, and then let's show you when you get you know deployed somewhere else or you get PCS and you're moving, you can buy a house there too. And now you have an investment property in your primary. Then you're going to do it again and again and again. Yeah. Um, so you can build wealth. Up. Man, that's correct. so good. That's and so that, smart. And that's like I think back to like what really motivates me in my life and like what I want to be and who I want to be as my identity. And it's like it always comes down to helping somebody achieve more, right? And I know that sounds like kind of like uh, like in the dust or like in the clouds, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but makes like perfect sense. the reality of it is like I get joy by helping somebody achieve whatever it is that they're looking to do. If they want to buy a house, great. Let me connect you. Let me get you into that. If it's somebody that wants to start a business, let me find somebody that needs your services and connect you. Yeah. And that's where I go back to like being educated and being able to help people really separates mm-hmm. myself or separates what I can offer to people because yeah. at the end of the day, I just want to connect them in the best situation. Right. Whether that's building a home, buying a flip, buying an investment, like I'm motivated by giving that or getting them to their goal. Sure. And it makes the numbers part a lot more bearable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're, you're seeing the benefits of your work. I love that. And so where is, What's what's your goal? What's your vision? I mean, what do you go? Oh, you're got, buying up all. I know you have a lot of them. A lot of visions. But with real estate, primarily, I mean, what's the? And I know some of these, but but with your portfolio, what does that look like in yeah twenty years? Uh, tw- uh twenty years. That's a far. That's a far shot. It's a uh, far shot. I would say twenty years. You're looking at like you know, tens of thousands of units, or in in equivalent in square footage of like commercial and retail and different types. I think right now I'm focused on residential because I know that and I I want to master that more than I am right now before I step out and start doing office space or multi, or mixed use or things like that. Sure. Um, I think right now my focus is on taking the little steps every day to continue to build so that I can get there in 20 years. Um, one thing that I know I personally did and kick myself is like I set this astronomical goal, but I didn't really take 
back of how do I get there step by step by step. Hmm. Um, have you read the, it's, it talks about uh, lead measures and lag measures. Sounds familiar. It's like the four, uh, here, I'll tell you. Let me look. Where is Kindle? It's a great book though. And uh, it's the four disciplines of execution. Okay. And what it talks about. We'll put about, that in show notes for people to see. Yeah. What it talks about is that uh, you have like these goals, right? So for us, it's quantified in like how many loans we want to close. Mm-hmm. So let's say that's 200 loans a year. So I can get up every day and bang my chest and say, I'm going to close 200 loans a year and you know, rah, rah, rah. And then I go to the office and I, you know, sit around the water cooler. I, you know, go on Facebook. I do all these things that don't really get me to my goal, but there's no way for me to track that I'm not getting to my goal. Right. Mm. So what I've done and by, from reading that book, it's like just change kind of everything is like my goal is let's say 200 loans. So what action steps do I need to take today that will eventually lead me to that 200 loans? So for me in that particular goal, it's like how many phone calls do I have to make to new realtors that I don't work with? Where that's a quantifiable goal that I can pick up the phone and hit today that I know if I do that over time will get me there. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of what we talked about. It it, it mirrors your real estate uh, mission, which is the, it's compounding. Correct. It's that compound effect of the little things I'm doing now compound over time. And then the whole thing with that is like you can achieve these massive goals in a shorter time because you're not just sitting there looking at the end goal. You're like, how do I get today? What do I do today to impact that and make that grow? Yeah. So for my real estate, where that came from (laughs) was, you know, now it's in the hundreds of units that I'm looking to pick up and, and own as rentals. Right. But that then compounds really quickly. And I'm like, okay, I'm already in the habit of buying, let's say 200 properties. Mm -hmm. So can I up that to 400 by making small tweaks and then, okay, 400 times a few years is a lot of units. Yeah. Um, So for me, my big vision is just the, you know, bigger projects and bigger um, assets. Mm -hmm. And I know that I need to grow into that. So I'm working really closely on like my onesie twosie steps so that I can get there. Can get there. I love that. Yeah. What is one thing that you would tell your younger self starting out that you wish that you knew. <laughs> oh man, there's uh like there's personal ones and business ones I'd say. So let's do each. Okay, so a personal one is I would say uh, I have lived in fear of pissing people off for so long, hmm. and I feel like in the last like year to two years I kind of got over that yeah. because I got over the scarcity mindset. Like mm. I was afraid if I how I was saying like I will just tell a client now like you're making a bad decision because I didn't want to piss them off and then them not like me and then me not get the business. And then that has all this trickle effect. Right. Right. So I would like shelter myself or I'd hold myself back instead of just saying what needed to be said. And once I started doing that, it's like, it was crazy how my relationships just spiked because I was honest with people of saying like, this is a really bad decision. Don't do that. I know that that, that pisses you off that I'm telling you to stop eating out because you're eating out too much, Yeah. but it's going to get you into a house. And then six months yeah, later, because I told them that, and I'm like, hey, you need to like firm up your finances. Now they're in a house and they're super happy and they referred me three people. So that was like a personal one for me that I was afraid of like always yeah. just pissing somebody off. That's good. Um, and then on the business side, I would say is like, I just, I waited too long to do. Hmm. Um, and I, I've heard so many people say that as like, I analyzed and reanalyzed and got ready to get ready to do something mm-hmm. instead of just saying like, oh, I'm going to like buy a house and I'll figure it out. Right. Because I tried to like, the funny thing, like I was with the property that I bought here where everybody vacated is like, I did all these numbers. I did all these spreadsheets. I did all this stuff to make sure that like, 
I was buying a sound investment. Right. And then a month into it, like the bomb went off. It all fell apart. Exactly. And so I'm like, oh, like if I would have done this like four years ago, that would have gone off four years ago and I would have fixed it then. And now I would be four years ahead of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So like all of my friends or like even younger people that I know, I'm like, start now. Like you're going to screw up and just yeah. like get ready to screw up. You screw up, you like fix it, figure it out, overcome it, you move on. And there's going to be another problem for you to figure out. I love it. And the compound effect of starting even Correct. four years before you do Correct. is huge. Correct. Because Massive. it's like you have an extra four years to compound. It's like when you see like the retirement calculators of like, if you start when you're 24, you only have to save right. $10. And it's like, if you start when you're 30, it's a hundred. And I'm like, okay, that's like, yeah. And the math is there. I mean, like I, <laughs> I, I've proofed the math. I know it's real. But right. It's the same thing with real estate. Just yep. It's a higher number. You're compounding a half a million dollar asset instead of your 401k at, you know, 5,000 or 10,000. Exactly. So yeah. I just think that like, uh, doing in doing will always give you more experience than whatever you're reading. Like I'm mm -hmm. a big book fan. I read as much as I can. And at the same time, I know that nothing in those pages is going to teach me more than actually going out and doing it. That's so good. That that may be the best piece of, of right? this episode is <laughs> that is. is consuming. Cause I'll get caught in this thing too of I will just consume, consume, consume and think that that's doing a lot of good for me. Right. Instead of actually just going and, and doing one thing. Correct. That will teach me. And that's another good book if you haven't read it. It's called The One Thing. The One Thing. Yeah. I've heard a, of that book. It's a great, it's it a real estate background base, but it's like a very good you know, just business and lifestyle in general. Yeah. But yeah, that's like, uh, I, I think that so many people, especially because we have so much technology, we can analyze and go through things over and over and over and get yeah. 15 spreadsheets and like all the other crap. And it's like, if you just got out and went out and did something, you would get far, for, you'd get so much further ahead than just trying to recreate or figure it out in your, you know, fake or fake's not a right word, but like in your simulation. Yeah. It's like go out and buy a property. If you lose if you lose ten grand, you learned a ten thousand dollar lesson. Yeah. But just go do it. Correct. Because you probably won't and find somebody that can help you and ask questions. Yep. You know, there's so many online forums, there's so many people like I get hit up all the time on Instagram of like, Hey, like I wanna buy a property. Can will you get lunch with me? I will never say no to somebody. Yeah. Because I know I was there and I did the same thing. And that's the only reason that I am where I'm at is because people were willing to answer my questions or mm -hmm. take that five minutes or the like, let me pick your brain. Like I have time for any of that because that's how I got to any remote level of success was asking other people for help and they always helped me. Yeah. So that's humble, my friend. Thank you. Well, uh, well, good stuff. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I, I, I love this episode because it gives people, anytime I do a real estate episode, that's when I get the most feedback, okay. like anything that has real estate involved, because it's something that people can apply right now. There's, there's, I mean, I would, you can apply many things on these episodes, but right. it's something that can really jumpstart somebody's life. Right. And so, I mean, Katie, who, you know, you yep. wrote her loan. Um, she, uh, she, um, can, you know, she wanted to buy a place because of a podcast that we did. Oh really? Yeah. With that. Tim. Okay. Okay. So, and that's the thing is like, it's something that's doable. You know? Yes. And it's so doable. Ask the question, ask for help, like reach out, reach up. Like yeah. there's people that will show you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to have you back. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because this is good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, we'll talk to you soon. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. All right.